0: the better the program, the more emails they're getting, you know, and I'm noticing that now, like yeah. I feel very fortunate. We're, we've done pretty well. We're you know 65 right now and I'm getting more and more emails. And so the little things are the little things that players can do to stand out mm-hmm. matter because now I have, you know, I might have players that virtually have the same experience and a very similar scoring average and a very similar situation who's going to be the fit
1: yeah
0: and that's what we start looking at now is you know it's who's going to fit in with our culture and little details matter you wrote me an email with my name on it again it's not about my ego it's about the fact that you're paying attention to the school you're listening to the tap into college golf podcast where we provide an inside look at the world of college golf college recruiting consultant Brandy Jackson shares her knowledge of college recruiting plus interviews with some of the most accomplished coaches and players in college golf if you are ready to tap into the best tips stories and insight then you've come to the right place here's your host Brandy Jackson
1: welcome to this episode of tap into college golf excited to have everybody back it is the heart of the holiday season if you're listening to this right now as um, you know kind of a Recently recorded episode, if you're catching up with it later on, then hopefully you made it through the holiday season and you've kicked off a new year and I'm excited to have another awesome coach on here and and just to share some more insight into her experience um, in the coaching world. And another, uh, some, another good perspective on a coach who just in the last couple of years changed positions, especially after, you know, really kind of having a great run um, at one program and then going on to, um, to a new program and, and just kind of starting that culture and, and, and that, uh, that energy and excitement there at a new program. But excited to have Coach Sarah Doyle on here with me, who um, started her coaching career at her alma mater back at Penn State, um, where she was the assistant for about four and a half years. Then she went on to be the first women's golf head coach there at Seton Hall, where she was there for about seven years. And I actually had one of my girls who had the privilege of playing um, playing for her, um, was in there in that transition when Coach Dora left and headed over to the opposite side of the coast to go um, be at University of San Francisco and just wrapped up make sure I say this right, was her third year, I believe, or just in the, in the middle of her third year. We're in the middle of the year. Um, and just, you know, um, just kind of getting things going there at the University of San Francisco. And I'm excited to hear how things have gone since she's gotten there. And just, you know, just that transition and the, the moving process, and then just everything that she's experienced as a college coach. So thanks for joining us, Coach Doyle.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here.
1: Awesome. Well, tell me, just like we kind of start all these off, I said, tried to kind of give a little rundown. Hopefully I got all that right. Um, just about your, you know, the, the places you've been as a coach so far and just um, kind of tell us a little bit about what got you into college coaching and then, you know, just the, that kind of progression of, of where you started and, and what made you want to become a college coach. Yeah, absolutely. You did your homework. (laughs) Um, Well, I I try to do a little bit and then I get ready and my notes are so like kind of random. I'm like, I I don't know if I did that right. So hopefully that was correct. (laughs)
0: Well, it was perfect. Um, You know, when I left, uh, I I had the fortune of playing at Penn State. And when I left Penn State, I went and I worked in the golf business for five years. and, And I loved being a golf professional for about four of those years. <laughs> and <laughs> after a little while, I was kind of over, being, you know, working the, the really long hours that golf professionals um, do. And I didn't hardly play any golf anymore because I was at the golf course so much and never playing. So um, my former coach, Denise, had called me and asked me to take over the assistant position when I was about three years out of college. And I actually turned her down um, because I didn't want to coach my old college okay. teammates. Yeah. I thought that that would be not uh, they wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> so, um I did say to her though, you know, if it opens up again, call me. And 2 years later it opened up again and I knew I would be dumb not to to go back. So, um that was pretty much how it started. Is I never really thought about college coaching, but it it just fell into my lap at the right time where I think a lot of people start coaching because someone says to them, have you ever thought about coaching? Yeah. So, I was I was really fortunate. Yeah. Denise asked me twice. So, I was very fortunate. She must really want to do
1: that. Um, I guess that was a good thing. um, (laughs) That must say something there.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I played for her and I loved playing for her. So I felt really fortunate to go up and, and work at the school that I was really passionate about. And, you know, I was there for about four, just like you said, about four and a half years. And, um, you know, as when you're an assistant, you want to get as much knowledge as you can and stay as long as you can, but you're always looking to move on if, if you want to be a head coach, and I always wanted to be a head coach once I started, I knew I wanted to be a head coach. so I had looked at a couple of positions, but nothing really that made sense uh, and i I'll, I'll never forget um, opening you know waking up to a text message from a, a coach friend, uh, and it said "Seton Hall is starting a women's golf program. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, my life is about to change. And I also thought he spelled Seton wrong because he spelled it S E A T O N. So he, you know, I just remember that moment. And so I, I went for it. Um, you know, Seton Hall. It was about five hours from where I lived at the time, right outside of New York City, and uh, had the chance to go over an interview. And I loved, absolutely loved, having the opportunity to start a Division One program from nothing. So yeah, um, very very fortunate to do that and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about Seton Hall a little bit throughout the time, and I was there for seven years, and we were able to win three conference championships in a row, and um, I was not planning to leave Seton Hall for a long time. I never had any intention. Uh, I did know, though, that I've always wanted to live in California, mm-hmm. and the job at San Francisco opened up, and I could not, at least not look into it. You know, I had to to do that, and Uh, When I got out there and I interviewed, I knew it was the right move for me. And, you know, leaving Seton Hall was very, very difficult because that was my baby.
1: Yes, I'm (laughs) sure. uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I've been here for three years in San Francisco, and I just, I love it so much. So I, I feel very fortunate that my coaching career has led me to the West Coast.
1: Okay, that's, like I said, big change there to go, especially just outside of New York City and and on the East Coast to to being out there in San Francisco, but you also picked a pretty good city to get to transition over to, so that, I'm sure that probably helped a little bit to be in in such a, such a great place out there on the West Coast and and get to experience that city with, you know, with the girls that come in and everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people are like, what do you, you know, Seton Hall's in New Jersey, but I lived in, in the city, in Brooklyn. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's like, do you, do you miss New York? Or what do you like better, New York or San Francisco? I'm like, you can't compare them. They're completely yes. different places. <laughs> and they're, you know, completely different pockets of talent. Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. when I was at Seton Hall, I had kind of a lifeline to Pennsylvania and Ohio.
1: Yes. You know, and
0: once you get one player out of Pennsylvania, then you get one of their friends and you get someone mm-hmm. else, you know, and that was kind of my niche right there. Um, on the West Coast, it's a lot different. It's, you know. California is a a wealth of talent, and the emails I'm getting and the talent that's coming across my desk—it's just—it's shocking. (laughs)
1: I'm like, I can't
0: believe I'm turning this player down because I have seven players that are better. (laughs) You know, so it's yeah, yeah, I
1: I can see that. I could just doing some West Coast consulting, and obviously, know you know some of the girls that I have out there and stuff. That it, uh, it is—it's different. It's, um, it's such a. Like I said, it's just such a big pool of players. They're just in one single yeah. state that it's hard to hard to distinguish between which ones, you know, I guess to a degree, which ones are better than the others. I feel like you get a, a yeah. little different test of, especially those Midwest girls who, you know, yeah. get different kind of weather and, and different kind of travel and those kinds of things. And in those conditions that they play in, it kind of sets them apart from other ones, I feel like.
0: Absolutely. And I, I actually, um, you know, being from the North and playing in the North, I always felt like, um, A lot of players from, you know, maybe the north or the midwest or the colder areas, um, they're tougher sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. because they've had to play in the snow and the rain and the cold and with seven layers on. When you get some of the players from, you know, the south who have never played in anything below 50 degrees, (laughs) you know, it's a different type of player sometimes. So, you know, I think there's advantages to both.
1: Very true, yeah. No, they sometimes feel disadvantaged because they don't get to – they don't get to play as much and and you know they're indoors during the, during the winter time and and that kind of thing it it is the disadvantage to that degree but the ones that can kind of overcome that and, and still play well have it i think they have a huge advantage going into college golf when you get that kind yeah. of day in and day out weather no matter where you go really even if you come to you know some of the the places in the south and you you end up traveling even just up a little bit you can get hit with some pretty nasty you know fall and spring weather to play golf in I think those girls um, have had to play in just so many different kind of conditions and you get that when you go to college golf where it can be so different from one tournament to another in terms of the grass and the weather and you just they've had to get out of their little bubble and play a lot more and and compete in different conditions for sure.
0: Absolutely and I think um, you know the player's in the north sometimes think that the winner off is a disadvantage i never saw it like that i thought of it as a, a mental and emotional and physical break true. and yes, i think some of the true. players who live in florida or arizona or southern california where you can play every day of the year they feel yes. guilty if they're not practicing in the winter and i'm like you guys take two weeks without touching your golf clubs it's totally yes. fine <laughs> yes
1: i it's I so better agree. yes better it is it's It is well when I mean I'm sure you were kind of similar and and when we came through I mean for me I played I mean I played volleyball basketball and I I gave up basketball like my sophomore year high school but I went weeks without playing golf and didn't think you know you didn't feel bad about it because I was playing another sport and you know golf was still number one I still had plans to play college golf and you know golf was 75% of my time usually but you didn't feel bad about it. I had a girl send me a message on Instagram not too long ago that said, you know, what's your thoughts on on time off from golf, you know, as much as like two weeks. And I was like, if you feel like that's what you need, then take it. You know, there's nothing wrong with taking, you know, even if it is two full weeks off, like that's, you know, that's, that's okay. Like don't, you know, nothing is going to be drastically different if you take exactly. two weeks yeah. off, if you feel like you need it. And if you're asking me that, then I think you, Obviously, you're trying to, you know, say something, but I do agree. I think it's from the mental. I've had a couple of girls who've actually said they want to go up north to play because they want that little bit of a break yeah. and where they have to have an off season. They love golf, but they just don't want it every day, day in and day out, and they want a little bit of that winter break. Um, so, yeah. yeah, you know, you do. You feel like you just can't take time mm-hmm. off when every day the weather's great, and you just feel like it's got to be you know, 24-7, 365 days a year, and you just – is wear yourself out.
0: Yeah. And I just, we just had our end of the fall team meeting um, before they head home for the, you know, the break, they get six weeks away. <laughs> we have a very long break. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell them, you know, each of you are very, very different. I have one player on the team that I know she's going to practice every single day, probably yeah. four to six hours a day. Cause that is just who she is. Yeah. And I have yeah. another player on the team that I know needs a, a, a break right now you know, yeah. and a couple of them do. And I said, don't touch your clubs for two weeks. It's totally fine. You're not going to be broken. when you come back, yeah. just make sure you're ready to compete by the time you get back. Cause we're requalifying in the spring, you know, yes. but you got to do what you know is best for you. And so I think that's important to, you know, the players need to know kind of what they're going into. If you're coming from the South, going to the North or North to South, or, you know, different weather. It's just, think about the overall picture. You know, yes. cause I've had players in, in all of my jobs where they're worried about weather. And I'm like, you have to remember you have a week off at Thanksgiving or five weeks at Christmas. And are you going home to something cold or warm? You have to figure out like, how are you going to manage that part? So yeah, I think it's, um, you know, players have to figure that out. I I think that's something really important to consider because I think some just think, Oh, I just have to go somewhere South all the time.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that's just as important important, uh,
1: as just an important part of the process as all of your work time I I wrote an article or something about not too long ago because I mean from a training workout perspective you know we schedule rest days we have easy you know an easier day and we have a true rest day and it's those days are just as important as the days that are really really tough because you know if not you just you're you're gonna burn yourself out and you know you've got to do it and be okay with it and know that you're not being lazy you're not you know there's that I think it was one of Tiger Woods quote that every day I'm not out there, somebody else is out there getting better. And, you know, if, if, but if a day of rest is helping you get better, then that's what, you know, that's the work you need to do that day is to take rest that day. Absolutely. Um, but again, it's, you just get that ingrained in you so much. If I'm not working. Somebody else is. And sometimes you got to remember that the, you know, the days off and the time off is, is just as important and, and just as much part of the process.
0: Yes. The rest is very underrated. Very you know, true, I, I'm, yes. that co- I'm that coach that I just always have to have stuff to do. And I've learned over time to take time off at our breaks, to take time off in the summer, because, you know, then I'm not, if I don't come back January 22nd, when we have season, if I'm not ready to go and mm-hmm. I'm not refreshed, you know, then I'm not as good of a coach. So I purposely am scheduling in a couple of four and five day breaks where I'm not going to look at my computer, <laughs> you know, yeah. which yeah. for me, I'm very organized and I love to work and I'm kind of type A. That's, that is a skill that I have learned that it's important to just walk away for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I
1: think yes. that's, you know, Yes, yeah. it it is. It's it's like you said, rest, especially, I think here in the American culture, even though we tend to yeah. be considered lazy and and whatnot, I, I feel like the the true rest is not appreciated as much yeah. here as, as it yeah, should be. Absolutely. So, well let's talk let's kind of get back um I said in all these episodes we kind of get off talking about you know a little bit of everything but um let's talk you know a little bit more of kind of getting into early coaching I said you spent a few you know four and a half years as an assistant and then you started a program and and it had you know some really good success like what were some of those initials initial hurdles and, and lessons when you first started coaching whether it was as an assistant or you know when you first started the program that that you faced, you know, that, that just kind of looking back that, whether it's, you wish you had, you know, you can kind of kind of combine the wish you would have known part of that, but just some of those hurdles and lessons that you had early on.
0: Yeah. You know, when I first started coaching, the, the one thing that I have learned and I've tried to help other coaches with is there's no manual for how to coach. Like a lot of times you're hired cause you can play, you know, yeah. and like there's no coach certification, like besides the NCAA rules test that we take every year, Um, that's one thing that it's a little bit on the job training where you um, hope to work for someone who's going to mentor you through that. And that's certainly what Denise did for me at Penn state is taught me how to be a coach, you know, and she trusted me and I appreciated that. And um, but it takes a little bit of time to learn how to relate to the players and how to create like healthy relationships and boundaries with the players and um, you know, to, to understand that, you know, they're 18 to 22 years old. And like, mm-hmm. I, I've heard you talk about that with other coaches here, like we get older and they stay the same age, right? <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. that's <laughs> And true. like
0: understanding how yeah. to relate to them. That was the one thing in the beginning that I, I don't know if I wish I had known it or whatever, but I think, um, that was one of my biggest challenges is is just learning the ropes, you know, first as yeah. an assistant and then as a head coach, you know, as soon as I got that job, starting a program from day one is like walking in quicksand for about two years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've got to, you got to like learn all the rules and how to do care hours and how to create a competitive schedule and budget and recruiting mm-hmm. and how to recruit and where to recruit. And, you know, and then you're at a, in a new place. So you have to create those relationships with the, your staff at the school and also the staff at the local golf courses you know, understanding fundraising and expectations from your boss and all the academic rules. There, There is so many things that if you, yeah, if you think about the whole piece, you're like, oh, wow, how did I do all of that? And a lot of it is you just learn, you know, very quickly. You just, you rely on a lot of other coaches and you ask a lot of questions. And, you know, I think that was some of the hurdles I had to get through in the beginning is just figuring out, you know, what to focus on. And um, mm-hmm. after a few years, I feel like I caught my stride, but it takes a little time.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like you said, you just, it's, it's learning the logistics behind it all, which again, a lot of why I wanted to start this podcast was to help the families understand all those logistics that do go, go on behind being a coach, especially, like I said, in your position with that, having to start the program, not just being able to kind of take over where it already was, and, and just all the things that go on behind the scenes that I think a lot of families don't, don't realize. And then on top of that, you have to learn how to be a coach. You have to learn how to, you know, it's just like you said, it's hard to to remember that they are just 18, 19 years old and how to put yourself in those shoes, but yet also expect a little bit more of them because, you know, you want them to do better and you want them to all get better and and make better decisions and those kinds of things. But yet they are still 18, 19 years old when they're getting to college and and then just trying to figure out how to actually coach them. It's, um, you know, it, it's definitely something I've always had a lot of people ask me about getting into coaching and, and my coach, uh, Coach Potter down at Alabama, and one of the letters that he wrote for me he said something about wishing I would become a coach. And, and I, I sometimes think about that and what would it, you know, what all would it take? And that is a big part of it is, you know, you're responsible for these girls, you know, lives and, and how you can, you know, not just their golf games and it's a big responsibility and it's a lot to learn. like you said, you don't really have anybody in a lot of ways that tells you how to do it. There's no manual. Um, And it's, it's just a lot of trial and error, um, which again, I'm sure a lot of things that you did early on that just like me and my business, there's things I told players early on and, Ways I handled the recruiting stuff that I'm like, oh, like I really did them, didn't do them much justice. But that's just again, you know, part of the, the learning process. It's again, it's trial and error to to learn from, you know, learn from early on and and make adjustments and, and hope you get better as a coach as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that's I, I like what you said. Like a lot of, you know, the par- parents and play, you know, junior golfers and even college golfers sometimes might not realize what actually goes into coaching. I, I've had yeah. many players, you know, in off season stop in my office, like coach, what do you work on in off season? Yeah. I was like, well, how long do you have? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't just show up at practice and like show up in the van and drive you to the golf course. And like, there is so much logistics to get to be very, very organized. So when practice arrives, you're there and you're present and you're able to actually do one-on-one coaching. You're actually able to, yes. to help them. You know, if you're not organized behind the scenes, you're going to be disorganized when you get to practice. And then, like you said, I I wouldn't be doing them justice if I didn't have everything else settled. You know, if I was stressed out about other things, you know, I'm not going to be a good coach. And so that was what I learned, uh, you know, throughout my, I guess it's been 15 years now of coaching, you know, just to make sure that I remember why I'm there and some things can get super stressful. But when it comes down to it, it is about giving these young women the best possible chance to be successful on and off the golf course. And, you know, sometimes things get a little stressful, but I always go back to my why and I just love helping people. And that's what keeps me going.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yes. The, like you said, just love, exactly what you said about just, you just love helping people. And, um, but it's just like you said, it takes learning how to actually do that and how to, to manage that. You know, like I said, along with all those logistical pieces, Um, I think a lot of people is, I feel like what I do is very similar to, you know, people are always like, well, what are you doing? You know, if I'm not traveling or, you know, whatever, when I'm talking about doing computer work all day and all that, and sometimes I, you know, I have to stop and just think about all the things it takes to run a business behind the scenes on top of what you see, what the players see when I just have these one-on-one conversations with them. It's not just that there's so much more that goes on day in and day out that you kind of, um, a lot of people just don't see. I think it's so much the same thing with college coaches. Um, you know, yeah.
0: And I don't know about you, you, but I do all of that stuff because they're have twos to get to what I actually want to do. I love coaching and I love helping people be better. And, um, you know, so in any job that you have or any situation you have, there's going to be things that are not awesome, but they're Mm -hmm. going to get you to the end result. And so that's how I look at some of those care hours and budget, budget stuff and all that, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, you don't love doing all of it, but it affords me the opportunity to help these young women become better people and better golfers. And so I think that's yes. what is really important for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. It's very, very good, good way to kind of balance it and, and make it not feel so, so much like work when the part you actually love is, is the yeah. result of, of having to do that, that part. So, Absolutely. well, you know, just talking a little bit about you getting into to coaching. Um, and I think you've got a little bit of a unique story about, you know, what, what has been different from when you first started and, and what do you wish you would have known or maybe done differently? Um, you know, not just the the things that the hurdles and the lessons, but what are some things that, um, we talked a little bit about this before we got started. Um, I said, I know you've got a, a little different background and in, in the first few years of you coaching and, and the decisions you made and, and the things that you decided to be a little bit more honest about and everything. So I think that'd yeah, be great, absolutely. you know, great insight there. If, um, share a little bit of that story and and how that changed your coaching, path and, 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 coaching perception?
0: Absolutely. I, so I started, um, the program at Feed Hall in 2010. Um, you know, and at that point I had then met my now wife and I was very, very quiet about my personal life my first couple years as a head coach. And, you know, cause I just wasn't kind of sure. I worked at a Catholic school. I wasn't kind of sure, you know, where that fit in. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I was a little afraid to tell the team. I was afraid they weren't going to, you know, respect me, you know, mm-hmm. and that was that's unfortunate. That's the way our world is sometimes. Yeah. Um. And so I kind of hid my personal life. And I, for my first three years at Seton Hall, I, I felt like I was a really good coach. I felt like I was starting a program. I was building relationships with the players and getting to know some of the families on the road. And um, I felt like I had, I had a lot of respect from everyone and I thought we were doing really good work, and I got engaged, and at that point, I decided, you know what, it's time to tell my truth to the team, because I, I, they know, they're not stupid, they know, <laughs> I've just yeah. never spoken about it, um, and so I had a team meeting, and I sat them down, and I said, hey, everyone, you know, I just, I wanted to share something with you, and um, I told them that I was getting engaged, and I told them about my wife, Kat, and they were, I mean, they were so excited. It was like I told them I had won a million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> they were, that's awesome. They were, they were so, I think, grateful that I told them my truth. And, you know, honestly, I was a little nervous about doing it because you just don't know how people are going to react. And, you know, yeah. that was 10 years ago, so eight years ago. So I'm in a much different space now. But mm-hmm. um, I will tell you, I think I went from being a good coach to being a great coach throughout that because I, I felt the team, I think, felt closer to me because I was more honest yeah. with them about who I was. Yeah. You know, and it's not like you share your personal life with the team, but they like to know like certain things, yeah. you know, like when yeah. we were getting married, they wanted to know all the details and, you know, <laughs> um, and then from then it was just a natural transition to just be open and not worry about it. Um, and I really think that afforded me the opportunity to just be more authentic and true and then lead by example. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's something I talked to them about is being the best version of yourself every single day. And those first three years of coaching at Seton Hall, I was not the best version of myself because I didn't, I felt uncomfortable a lot. Um, and so I just, you know, I kind of joke that if you want to win a conference championship, you should just come out of the closet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's <laughs> so funny. I did. And the next year we won conference, then we won again, then we won again. And, um, yeah. You know, but I, I mean, I joke, but it, I, I really think I was a more true and authentic coach. And I thought, I think that helped me develop better relationships with the players. And I think they yeah. trusted me more to talk about things. And, you know, through my time, the last several years, I've had a couple of players themselves come out to me. And I think, you know, it's because they had a role model that could help them, guide them through some of that stuff. And, you know, I know we're we're coaches, we're a, we're, we coach golf, but we really coach people.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, and
0: I feel like, like it's about teaching them and giving them skills to be a better person and in turn be happier and in turn perform more and better. Yeah. And so that's what I think has been a part of my coaching and, and, um, and I, I wanted to lead by example with that. So, um, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you. And then, you know, when I, obviously I, I took the job in San Francisco, I was, you know, open with it right from the beginning. I mean, San Francisco is a very liberal place. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. Um, you know, but it's, I, I honestly, you know, it's one of those things. I, I understand sometimes it could be a taboo thing to talk about, but I think it's really important that, um, you know, you're, as a coach, no matter what your truth is, if it's, you yes. know, I know some coaches who have gone through cancer and they've shared it with their team and some coaches who had, you know, death in the family and they share it with the team. And when you share tidbits about your actual life with them, they see you more as a person and maybe they, they might just have a little more respect and realize that, you know, you go through through things too, and if you can lead by example with the way you handle life situations, I think that really helps them see they can do things. Yes, I think that
1: that's as much you know why I kind of wanted you to share that too because I think that's you know from a coach perspective. I know there's a lot of other coaches that that listen in on this, and and again from the parent player side of things as well. That I just I think that responsibility of being a coach just goes so far beyond just what you do there as a coach like you said being the yeah. example and if you know you know if you, you know, not necessarily hiding something but if you know you're not just really being who you need to be and and being that example it's hard to it's hard to be a great coach I feel like um I feel like some yeah. of that you know and, and I think you've seen it and being in the coach world you see some of that start to become a little more transparent in some cases and, and coaches aren't perfect they're gonna make mistakes just like I make yeah. mistakes as you know in what I do but try to take our positions that we're in and it's not just about telling them what to do. And there's, again, there's a a difference in being an adult and them still being kind of quote kids and some decisions you make as an adult are not necessarily maybe, but you know, they, there's obviously differences there, but just to be, you know, not just to tell them what to do, but to really try to, to be that example. And it's, it's hard to do that when, you know, I said, when you are somewhat, you know, not necessarily being dishonest, but just not being able to be yeah. who you want to be and and who you really are. and and and, like you said, just to share that because it is it's what you're able to connect with them. and that's that's so much more about what I think you know coaching and in college golf is about is is so much more that than just that, you know, just black and white being a coach kind of thing and then I'm not a coach and I know some are, are very big on keeping those separate and don't look at it that way and that's okay I mean I think there's some very successful yeah. who who do separate at all um but I think if you're if you're not going to then you kind of have to be kind of all in to a degree and then really be yeah absolutely you know, be who you say you know you are and and really truly be that person and not just be that person yeah. when you're their coach and not that way yeah. when you're not
0: well that's and I of, live on the outside yeah <laughs> so you know, and I, I um I think it's really important to to be if you're gonna be a coach, be the same like as you are as a person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it's just important to sh- to create good relationships. So
1: yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. definitely glad you share that. You know, whether people agree or, or like it or not, you know, obviously like I said, we've everybody's got different opinions to that, but I, I do think that there's so much to learn from that just for for so much of what it says about you as a coach and, and just about coaching, I think in general, I think where you, where your passion comes from to be a coach and want to truly be the best coach you can be. And and that's, that's what led you to be able to do that. I think um, that's, Absolutely. that's just such an awesome, awesome insight as, you know, for, for like I said, players, parents, other coaches and everybody to hear, I think. Absolutely well let's um let's get into a little bit about you know you being a coach and, and what you see as as a coach and I'll, you know, talk a little bit about some of your your athletes um you know tell me I, I know I've sent you a list of questions I'm kind of sitting here looking at them I know we kind of skip a few but what do you feel like, um, I still want to talk a little bit more just about the athletes now. What do you feel like is some of the biggest things you see them struggle with, um, you know, as, as college athletes when they get there? What are the same, you know, the things that you see that maybe they can be just a little bit more prepared for or even just a little more aware of as a junior golfer and it not be just quite such a, you know, just slap in the face when they show up and yeah. just not expecting how tough it's going to be um, for them as college athletes?
0: Well, I think the first thing all prospective student-athletes should learn is how to properly iron a shirt. Mm-hmm. Because, do you know, I have had at least five players in my time burn a hole through one oh, no. of their shirts trying to <laughs> trying to, you know, um, you know. I joke about that, but I think it's some of those lessons about um, the things that you need to know when once you get to college, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is is being able to, and I don't believe in balance because I don't think balance is a true thing. I call it a blend. You know, like some people talk like work-life balance. To me, it's work-life blend. And for these athletes, it's being a student athlete doesn't mean you're a student and then an athlete. It means you're that. And plus you are trying to be a friend or maybe be in a relationship or be a daughter, you know, be good at school, maybe join a club and, you know, figure out how to have a roommate. And, you know, you want to be good in the gym. You want to be good on the course. Like there's all of these facets of your life that all of a sudden, You're trying to fill all those roles and it can be so overwhelming for a freshman coming in. Maybe away from home for the first time. And so it's understanding that I think from the beginning, you should be using all the resources you have at whatever school you end up at from you know, working with if they have like a mental performance or coach or a sports psychologist or if they have a dietitian or, you know, a strength coach, an athletic trainer, whatever your coach can, you know, coach or assistant coach can help you with and to ask for help and to ask a lot of questions in the beginning. Um, because us as coaches, like we talked about, sometimes you forget that you have to say the same things every year because freshmen yeah. are freshmen only once, <laughs> you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so for the, the, For those coming in, it's just understanding that it's going to be a lot. And some people naturally can just make the transition and some people need help. And I think asking for help in the beginning is really important because it shows you care.
1: Yes, good point there. I think I think a lot of I feel like I see a lot of juniors who they feel like if they ask questions it's gonna make them look like they don't, you know, like they don't know what they're doing or less confident by asking questions. But exactly what you said, it's going to show that they care. And the more you yeah. ask, the more I think it. I, I've started to learn that myself. You know, it's it's just it's nothing. It's not a lack of confidence. And yeah, you're probably going to ask some dumb questions at some point. But you know, better ask the dumb questions and and you know find out exactly. things than to just not ask and, and end up doing things that are going to cost you later. Um, the, uh, I definitely think the the asking questions and not feeling like it, it puts down who, you know, your confidence or, or your intelligence level, because you have to ask a lot of questions.
0: Yeah. And for me as a coach, when i have a freshman that asks a lot of questions, to me, I see them as someone who really wants to know and wants knowledge and wants to grow mm. and wants to be coached. Yes. You know, so I think that's the best thing, like, you know, I think the struggle is, is trying to figure out how to, to do it all and to realize that some things you can't do, I hate to use the word can't, but, you know, there's some things that you just have to go to the side, and you have to know where your priorities are, and um, it's a, it's a process, you know, if you're still asking the same questions when you're a senior, as a freshman, then we have a problem, (laughs) but first (laughs) year, you know, like, like, ask your upperclassmen, ask, you know, the, the, your RA, or, or whatever, just to try to make sure that you know all of the resources you have because that's the one thing I think some college athletes that aren't successful are it's because they didn't use the resources they had at the time
1: yeah very true that it, it that's it's a it's a huge thing I like to try to preach of you know using your re- like you said asking questions and using your resources so I, I think that's such an important such an important thing I had a, a player who's uh, she's in her sophomore year now, and, and I know freshman year she was a really good athlete, really good golfer. and and I mean she struggled, and she just said, you know she just she did feel like it was, you know she had all had to be somewhere. It was becoming a job. she had, you know go see sports psychologist and she had to get an extra day of training. And it was like, yeah, but these are all all these resources that you have at your fingertips. You didn't have this as a junior golfer um, where she mm-hmm. lived and in her family, she didn't have those. And I was like, utilize these now. Of course, it's going to be overwhelming because you you didn't have all this, but use it. You know, you've got all these resources. You don't have an excuse not to get better or not to yeah. at least be working towards getting better because you have these resources at your fingertips and, and you just got to take advantage of them and and and, and use them and um, you know, just, just be grateful that you have these now, basically, even though it might make you all yeah. of a sudden feel like you're in a thousand different directions. Um, it's a good thing in a lot of ways.
0: Well, and also once they graduate from college, they no longer have them. And they're like, oh, yes. man. Yeah,
1: yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got
0: to find a gym and wait, uh-huh. I, have I have to pay for pay a for it. trainer it. and yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yep. I have to buy, you know, sneakers to work out a workout in. Yeah. I have to buy golf clothes and I, yeah, yes. Yeah. I had a, uh, a
0: player years ago send me a picture of, um, she works in uh, real estate. <laughs> she sent me a picture of golf balls and a shirt that she had to uh-huh. buy for this like Monday golf outing. She yeah. goes, this cost me $75. Uh-huh. And then she put like hashtag post golf problems or whatever. And I'm yes. like, yep, that's, the-
1: yep. It's true. <laughs> you that forget, is, that you is forget so they're true. not free. <laughs> nope. Nope. But you forget just how much it adds up and, then how all the yeah. like you said, all the little things that you get, you know, And and it's always joke that, and i was telling this particular player that, you know, some of the, the college players, they just think it's so hard and life is so tough. And I'm like, when you get done and you look back, you're really going to (laughs) realize that like it really wasn't that bad because every, especially if you're, you know, you're on the team, even if your scholarship's not fully paid for, like most everything you need, you know, you've got, you know, usually, you know, a golf psychologist, you've got trainers, you've got equipment, you have all this stuff. And like, all you have to do is play golf and keep your grades up. And I know that sounds very easy to say now. I know it's tough. And that's what I was like, I know it's hard. It's, you know, it's supposed to be, but at the end of the day, like you're going to realize just how lucky you had it and how much you had and, and how yeah. to a degree yeah. it was really easy in a lot of ways that you just don't, you don't see now, but you will definitely see that one day. Yeah.
0: Well, that's something as a coach I try to do is give them perspective every once in a while, you know, and just remind them like, yes, this is hard. Yes, it is. Yeah. And this is a responsibility that you've signed on for. So let's figure out how we can be successful together.
1: Yes. Yes. Very true. Very good. That, um, that, yeah, I think a lot of times I tell the, I tell a lot of the parents that about, you know, I get asked a bit, you know, how hard, how, how much is pushing too hard, you know, and, and how much, you know, where do we draw that line between expecting too much out of them? And I tell them, you know, Hey, if this is, if they say this is what their goals are and and this is what they want to do, then there's an expectation of needing to be pushed a little bit. You know, obviously the parent versus a coach type of push is a little bit different, but you know, you got to make sure you're on the same page that if, if they say this is their goals for playing college golf, then you've just got to keep reminding them that, you know, this is what it takes. Um, and, and making sure, like you said, that, that you're on the same page for, for what those that what those goals are and, and what it's going to take to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> um, you know, kind of, um, Kind of switching notes just a little bit, um, but I love hearing these are just a couple of questions. I definitely want to make sure we always cover, um, and then we'll kind of maybe go back and talk about a couple other things. But what's been one of the most rewarding coaching moments? Um, I know you talked about when you you know you won that first conference and everything. I'm sure there's there's some that that stand out. But what has been you know your most rewarding coaching moment? Um, or if the, if that was it, maybe what's been your most challenging moment? Um, you can hit both of those or either or. Yeah. You take your pick on that. Okay. One. You know, I kind of, I have specific
0: moments that I think about, um, you know, as far as during when I'm, you know, actually coaching. And obviously all three of those Big East wins back at Seton Hall were, the first one was so special because it was the fourth year of the program. So the seniors who came in as freshmen to start the program got to walk away with a Big East ring.
1: Yeah.
0: And so That's that cool. was huge. Um you know, and I just appreciated so much that they came in and took a chance on Seton Hall and took a chance on me. And, um, you know, we got to walk away with a win and then it happened again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then it happened again. And each year was, was obviously very special. And, um, you know, every year there were, there were wonderful things along the way. And so like the actual coaching moments, like on course, can be really, really rewarding. But I'll say as a college coach, when a player comes back five, six, seven years later, and and you get a message that says, you know, coach, I was in this meeting and in and, and, and my business meeting and um, I thought about something you taught me about how to do this. And it really helped me. Like those yeah. are the, those are, to me are the most rewarding things. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, I, I had a, a player that, um, when she was on the team, we butted heads a little bit, you know, cause there were times I had to push her, you know, and there were times I'm like, you, you know, this has got to be better. You know, we had a, a fairly good relationship. I just, I never knew if I affected her yeah. and she graduated several years ago. And this past summer, she asked me to speak in her wedding. And to me, like, those are the moments that are like, you know, that's when you know you've had an effect. So yeah. those are the rewarding moments is, just a a quick text message from a former player, like, you know, thanks for this or, you know, I don't do it for the thanks or I don't, I don't do it for that, but those are the rewarding moments that come with it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like you said, there, there's plenty of them out there when you're on the golf course in those moments, but, and and those mean a lot, but it it is 100% ones like that. It's, so I feel very similar in what I do in a little different perspective that it's great when these players get offers and go to play. But for me, it comes down to, you know, times where later on they say something about being more prepared for an interview or they were more comfortable yeah. with something because, you know, I made them call a coach and talk to them or little things like that where, you know, the bigger picture of. Of what you've done has made a bigger difference yeah. than just their golf scores or for me that just for the chance for them to play college golf where they're yeah. you know learning so much more than that absolutely
0: you know and, well, then, and then leading we'll to the cha- like the challenging yeah, yeah, moments yeah, i think that's yes. where we were going um i, I my I, similar like the during you know the coaching moments when you feel like you have a player that you don't don't feel like you can reach where you just you know, you're trying to say it in 17 different ways and you just don't know if you're helping them. And sometimes you can't, you know, as a coach, you you know, you've got to do your best to try to understand every player and be empathetic to them and where they are and, you know, what their mindset is and what they grew up with and just try and get to know them. And sometimes you, there's some players that you really, you know you're helping them in the moment. And other times you just, just you're like, know. I just don't know if I'm helping her, <laughs> you know? Yes. So, like in the moment, though, that's the challenging one. But you know, honestly, I will tell you, I, and I like the the most challenging moment in my college coaching career was when I had to call the team and tell them that I was leaving Seton Hall. And I remember yeah. listening to Lisa Lisa Strom's um, podcast, and she talked about that when she left Texas State and went to Kent State, and um, I had virtually the same situation um, that she yeah. had said, where you know I had. I called them, I sat on the back of the rec center at Seton Hall and I called them one player at a time and I talked to them. And I said to them, please don't message the group text until you get my email. That means everyone heard it from me. Yes. But by the time I got to the last player, she heard it from me. And, um, you know, that was, that was a three hours it was really hard three emotional hours to call them and to hear their reactions. I'm sure. But it sure. also was kind of like, it was a, a really challenging thing because it was, you know, I wasn't planning to leave, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, But an opportunity came up and I couldn't walk away from it. I just knew it was right to be able to get to the West coast and San Francisco. It's especially for me is somewhere I've always wanted to live. So, yeah.
1: Um,
0: And every player had that immediate reaction of tears and Oh my gosh, what's going to happen but yeah. then they switched to coach. I'm so excited for you. I know you've always wanted to live in California. And so, yeah. you know, it, it was a very challenging thing and you know, there's still players on the team that I recruited that are still over there. So I haven't been able to talk to them until they graduate. <laughs> you know, um, And that's, that's the right. stuff is that when each of them have graduated, I have reached out to them after they've graduated and, you know, to hopefully con- keep connections with those players that I either had a chance to coach for a year or two or three and, Um, you know it's just nice that they understand that we're people and sometimes something comes up you know but that was hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure
1: I'm sure it's like you said talking to Lisa Strom too and and I think what she said is very similar that you you realize though you get something from the fact that when your players handle it the way they do it says a lot about what you did for them as a coach that you know yeah Yeah. initially your thought is kind of well how's this going to affect me but then the fact that you know, they they turn and, and, and are happy for you. And, and, you know, that just says a lot about the types of players that, that you've recruited and helped them become that, you know, that they're not so wrapped up in, you know, in themselves and, and how it's going to affect them. And, you know, there, there's that initial kind of shock to it, but that they can be happy for you and, and understand and be mature enough. You know, it, it's like you said, it says so much about what you've done there for that program and the types of players that you've been able to, you know, to, to coach and to bring in, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I feel fortunate that I've had players that have bought into the culture, you know, I've tried to create with some of our other coaches. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I give it a testament to them that, you know, when I left, I know they just moved on and they're playing great golf over there right
1: now. And I'm happy yes. for them. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. you know, it's nice to see them succeed in the way I thought they were
1: going to. So yeah, good. which is which is good. Yeah, I know. And talking to Lizzie, I think she was what, two years, year, two years into... I only coached there. her for a year. Okay, I yeah, I couldn't remember if it was a, a year. year or two. I knew it was kind of early on, and I know um, I worried. I think her dad. I think I had a missed call from her dad or something. Not long after that, and I was like, "Oh, she, please tell me she's not going to transfer." And it was. I was actually so <laughs> glad to hear that. You know, things had gone really well in that transition, yeah. And, and yeah, they've done well, and she's continued to play well. And yeah. I always definitely like to hear that. You know, when something like that Absolutely. changes so much that well, they're able to. You know, sometimes situations lead to those needing to happen and those things happen but when it when it goes smoothly it's it's always good to hear
0: well and one of the commitments I made when I left is I would not take any players with me um i would said that to the Seton Hall administration well I would have loved to have some of them come with me all of them probably but um (laughs) that was that was something that I it was just my morals and beliefs that I'm not going to try and steal players like you stay here you finish what we started I'm going elsewhere and um, you know, and that was one thing that that was just what I believed is they they went to Seton Hall to be a part of that program and yeah, I wasn't gonna try to lure anyone away. You know, I just didn't think yeah. that was that's just my own personal yeah. opinion, you know. I just didn't think that was the right thing.
1: That's um which I, I, again I think that speaks just just a lot to um you know, I, I think there's some cases I feel like I know some coaches have done that and I think some players have just been as much the ones to insist on leaving as much as the coach, you know wanting them to leave kind of thing. But when, like I so said, when you can do that and, and leave them and, and then they hopefully get in good hands with the next coach and nothing really changes and um, or nothing major changes. And and they can just kind of keep yeah. on going with what they were doing. it it, I'm sure helps your transition be a little bit better as well yeah. to know, you know, cause again, Absolutely. you care about those girls and, and what they do and to know that um, they're still oh, continuing to get what they need is, is always a good feeling for sure.
0: Absolutely, it's funny while we're sitting here talking. You know, I'm, um, my phone is sitting next to me, and as we're talking about this with former players, I'm actually going to recruit down in Florida next week. Uh-huh. And um, one of the former players lives down there, so I called her and left her message this morning. You know, because I'm hoping to see her, and she just texted me back. She's all excited. So that's you know, that's cool. the type of stuff. You know.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. I like for sure. No, it's it's again, it's it's just what. A big get a big part of of my my goal in doing this podcast is to, to a degree to help these families and players see beyond just that next, you know, they're so caught up in the recruiting process and I think so caught up in you know what's about to happen and how big a deal it is and and you know, trying to make that decision and trying to help them kind of understand it, you know, this is such a long process that continues on and so much bigger impact and and so much more to yeah. it than they even realize right now. And just like you said, just that relationship that you have with players that continues on and and how important that is. I know we try to preach. you can't base your decision on the coach because again, things happen where the coach leaves. But that relationship, I tell players is so important to to right. get to know the coach and make sure you know you're gonna be on, you know on the same page as much as possible while still, you know, obviously having differences and, and having different opinions and those things, but just knowing that you get a coach, you know, that to me, I still feel like is one of the biggest, if not the biggest influence, I think, that makes up makes or breaks a player's college career. And again, you can only do so much to predict that and you can only do so much to, to know how it's going to be because things change, you change, you know, so much changes once wow. you get there. But that's just such the long lasting thing that you take away from playing college golf, I feel like.
0: Yeah. And that's, um, that's advice that I try to give a lot of families in the recruiting process, That don't go to school for one reason, go for Mm -hmm. a lot of reasons. And if for some reason, golf went away, meaning you lost the passion for it, you broke your foot and couldn't play for a year. You realized it wasn't, you just couldn't, handle it is that a school you'd still want to be at and is that a school that you could still get behind I think that's really important because yeah coaches might leave um golf might go away Mm -hmm. for some reason you know um and is that still somewhere that you think you can be successful so I think it's also about looking at the overall organization you're going into like are you do you want to be a power five school and do you want a large school do you want a football program like Mm -hmm. you know I think those are really important too. Or do you want a small mid-major where you know that, you know, you're going to go to a conference where you might get to win your conference championship every year? You know, Mm -hmm. like depending on, you just got to think about those things. So yeah, coaches sometimes leave, which is just kind of life. I think, but the schools are always going to be there in theory, right? (laughs) So it's knowing that the school that you're going to too, I think, is something that they forget to think about sometimes that, you know, what does that school stand for? Is it a private Mm -hmm. Catholic school? Is it a big state school? Is it a mid-major? Is it a power five? You know, and and what are the values of the school? Because those typically aren't going to change. You know, the school is going to have a way about it that, you know, just the history and tradition. Yeah. So I think that's important.
1: Yes, 100%. Well, I think that kind of covers a couple of the questions that kind of try to not necessarily wrap it up with, but there is one that I always want everybody to be able to share um, as we kind of start to wind this down a little bit. But it's always my favorite, and I think it's been some of the coaches' favorite and the listeners. But you know, what is the funniest story that you have from recruiting or coaching? Like I said, this has always <laughs> been so much fun to just hear the coaches' takes on this and and what direction. You never know sometimes what direction the story might get ready to go. Um, so excited to hear what your you know, what your funniest story is um, that you can share, like I guess, said, whether it's recruiting, coaching, uh, maybe even if it's when you, you know, as a player, what, what that might be.
0: Well, I know that you were going to ask this one. I kind of have yes. a couple. so I'm not Okay. Sure I was going to say I've had it. a
1: couple that had some that couldn't narrow it down. So that's hey, that's, um, that's totally fine too.
0: Well, a lot of it, a lot of the funny stories I think come from traveling and the things that happen on the road where you're like, Oh, I didn't, I wasn't totally prepared for that, but we got through it, you know? So I kind of have two and they both have to do with traveling. Um, One of them was we were, we were traveling and we were in the Newark airport and one of the girls on the team was, you know, distracted on her cell phone, talking on her cell phone or doing whatever she was. And, you know, we had to stop at the bathroom on the way to the gate. So she's on her cell phone she goes into the bathroom and all of a sudden I hear something behind me and she comes flying out of the bathroom tripped over her suitcase and like (laughs) fell in front of like a hundred people because she had went into the men's bathroom oh no (laughs) and it's something we remind her about all the time there's a picture of it where she's just we got a picture she just sprawled out because she was so embarrassed
1: yeah yeah Um, that's uh, I love that one good that one's good, especially um, even another. though when even though when stuff like that happens in front of total strangers that you're never going to see again, it doesn't take the embarrassment yeah. away any any less exactly. um, whatsoever, I feel like.
0: Every once in a while, I'll, I'll say it to her. I'm like, hey, Cassie, remember when you went in the men's room? She's like, shut up, coach. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing. It just gives such like fuel for other things and, and to just always be able to bring it up that then that little moment then becomes even so much bigger than what it actually was because you just, you yeah. can always pick on them for that. Yeah. Uh, and another problem right, we'll we had, the, I, don't yes. know
0: if I, I don't know if I would say it's the funniest or the most just memorable. Um, our second Ooh. Big East win, we made it to regionals down um, at NC State. And so we were, but we were traveling on the way back and we had left Raleigh and there's no direct flight from Raleigh to Newark. So we, you know, we had to take like a layover, I believe in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And apparently like we have have to take a small plane and apparently small planes can't land in fog. And so we're like circling the Charlotte airport for like an hour and we land and we've missed our connection at this point and it was that moment where we have to get back because we have finals the next day. And, and it was me and our assistant coach and our sports information director. Plus we brought it, um, the whole team. So we brought all seven team members. And so, you know, it's that moment where as a coach, you want to panic, but you just keep your cool. And I handed my bag to our captain as soon as the plane landed. And I said, I'll meet you at customer service. I ran like, I feel like it was a half a mile. It was probably like a hundred feet. Um, to the customer service, and I got in line, and by the time the team got to me with everything, there was probably 50 people in line behind me. Yeah. And so it was this moment, I get up to the front, and and I'm like, you guys, just hang out, just chill, we'll figure this out. And all of a sudden, you know, the woman's like, okay, we could do this, we could do this, we can do this. I'm like, who has finals tomorrow? So three of them raised their hand. (laughs) I'm like, you, 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 you're on this plane, you know, and I'm like, Matt, you go with her, and and like, I got us on five different planes, I think. Oh, wow. And we all got back that day, but the three who didn't have finals went with me and we landed at a small airport, like three hours away from campus and then had to take, hire a driver to take us back to campus. And it was just like oh, that thing where we just, you know, it, it could have been really stressful. Yeah. We were laughing through the whole thing. So it's like, what are you, what are you going to do? You know?
1: Yeah. That's um, the thing and I think one of, kind one, of one of the girls, happen,
0: yeah. yeah. And one of the girls fell down the stairs while. You know, bringing a bag in the same trip. It was just one of those that I know that team will remember that trip forever. And I remember it because I'm like, I got everyone back safe. We all landed. We got our luggage. Everyone took their finals.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's like
0: travel woes. You get those and it's just like, oh, those are the things you remember.
1: I I agree. I think some of when I look back at college and and tour life and, and even now, some of the travel, one of my, craziest ones was traveling with one of my girls the U.S. Junior Girls and, and kind of similar thing happening um and the, the moment they're not always funny um but you know especially yeah. when you look back and and you how it plays out and, and how it works out travel something about travel can definitely bring out the the crazies and 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 just the the moments that um something funny about it yeah there, there's definitely something yeah. about travel that I think always leads to some of the you know, the, some of the funniest things, um, I've had some coaches who have those yearly traditions with different holidays or whatever. I think those have also been good ones too, but I feel like most all the funny stories have come from yeah. travel and, you know, good, bad things that have happened. that have it turned into to good, funny stories, especially after the fact, uh, Not get not always yeah. funny when they're happening, but <laughs> exactly. when you're able to look back and like you said, everybody got back and got to take their finals and, and those kinds of things. Um, well, I saw it's a random one. I think it was, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs last night um, against the Patriots, I guess, and first time it's ever happened like NFL history that the equipment didn't get off the plane or something and literally at like oh, wow. right before the game started. I mean, they had to have a police escort from the airport. I mean, all of their equipment somehow, you know, and all the times they travel, you know, that, you know, for that to happen, you just, I'm sure that equipment manager or whatever probably does not have a job today, but they didn't have exactly. any of their equipment. I was just thinking that. yeah. And it literally yeah. got there like right in time. If not, they said they would have had to forfeit, which they ended up winning the game. Um, but you see all these guys scrambling in with all their equipment and then coming in at the last minute and everything that um, it had just gotten left. Um, I think it was, at, I guess it was back at the airport um, where they had flown in or something. So um, again, that's one of those things that once they won, they probably look back and outside of that equipment manager, they all probably got a good <laughs> laugh out of it, but especially once they won the game, but in the moment, not quite so funny um, when you're scrambling yeah. to try to figure it out before you have to forfeit a, a big, um, very important game. So Right. Well, I
0: try and well, teach great, them doing great. those travel things. Like I try and teach them just like you guys, something's probably gonna go wrong with travel. Let's just all be cool. Like yes. you can't control it. So
1: Exactly. Yes. You know, yes.
0: Bring a bring a game just in case. <laughs>
1: Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. You just, you, there's only so much you can do and in the, the having to wait and stand in lines and deal with everybody. It's, it's hard and it's rough. But yeah. again, there's another thing they're going to appreciate later on that you took care of all of that because when they start traveling on their own after college yeah. and they have to stand in those lines to, um, to rebook their tickets or figure this out, they're going to appreciate the fact that coach did all of that for them and got them where they yeah. need to be. Cause the first time they have to do that, it's not going to be so much fun. I'm sure. Exactly. exactly. Yes. Um, well let's um I all I mean, when I get on these I know we end up not covering half of the questions that I you know, I think in some ways we end up covering a lot of them without asking the specific question. But I know yeah. you saw obviously I have my question at the end that I wanna ask everybody that we'll get to, but Um, I know you you saw all the questions. Is there anything else um, that stands out that you maybe want to share that we didn't talk about? Um, There's several different things. So, you know, feel free there, there's no cutoff to this. Um, You know, I just, uh, I sit here and ask them all day and we could talk all day, but um, figure maybe just let you share a couple of them that, that we didn't cover yet that maybe really have some good insight on. And then we'll go with our, my usual wrap up question. And and then um, we'll wrap this up. Yeah. I think one. Um, you
0: have a question on here about advice for the parents in the recruiting process yes. and also for once their son or daughter goes to college. Yes. Um, and I'll say, you know, I think obviously you want the parents to be guiding their son or daughter once they get to, you know, through in high school and into college and beyond. But one thing that I think is really important is to let your son or daughter talk, let your son or daughter actually write the emails because us coaches know when the player hasn't written the email, and it's when a, when you have a. I, I really, as a coach, I look a lot at um, parent-player relationships because on both sides, because the way that the player treats their parents is the way they're going to treat their coach more times than not, and the um, you want to see if the parent and you know I I don't love the phrase helicopter parent I don't know what else to use there yes but you want to see how involved is that parent going to be and is that parent going to be a problem because you don't want to not give a player a chance because you think a parent might be someone who's going to be emailing you and calling you so um I always appreciate when I have a, a student athlete with one or both of their parents or you know sisters or brothers and I feel like the parents you know talk and answer some of the questions are or, or part of the conversation because they should be it's their parents but like let your son or daughter talk to the coach and let your son or daughter answer the question so if i turn to the recruit and ask a question if the parents jump in and answer that's telling to me sometimes yes um you know and it's a mix for the recruit or the to be able to um sometimes they're nervous you know and the parents want to protect them and answer the question for them but Um, I just think it's letting them know that us as coaches we really want to hear from you we want to know who you are as a person and and we want to understand your family dynamic Uh, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's hard to to get to know who are you as a player and then so when I do recruiting trips I try and have times when we're with the player Mm -hmm. with their family with just the player with just the parents just to get a sense of you know you get a better sense of who they are yes Um, I think that's important and and once they get to college, like support them from afar, but let them fail because they're going to eventually. You know, I've had yeah. a lot of parents who try to fix everything for their son or da- you know their daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to remember that your son or daughter is in good hands. You've got to trust that you made the right decision, and let them work through whatever situations they have. like guide them, obviously. But it's, you know, the player's responsibility to go to the coach if they're upset about something. It's the player's responsibility to go to their teacher if they're upset, you know. Um, Let them grow up, you know. And and most parents are really great, but once in a while you get a parent, it's like you've got to let your daughter live. You've got to let her become independent. And that's one thing I think I've I've had the most successful players who are very independent and their parents have groomed them to be that. I hope that makes sense
1: hmm Yes, yes. Well, a comment you made is, is one that I've come across of some parents say, well, if I don't write it for them, they're not, it's not going to get done. Or if I don't, you know, write it for them, it's going to sound bad. And, you know, I kind of have to tell them, well, you know, that's where it's okay to to guide them on what to do and to help them. You know, you don't know, the email doesn't have to go out 100% written without any kind of um Uh, like looking at it or looking over it, the the word just went um, proofreading it, that that's okay to do that, but don't go in and just totally change it. And if what I do when players send me emails is I go in and highlight what needs to be edited or changed and make them make those changes so that they learn, you know, whether it's word spelling, you know, know, words that are spelled wrong or something like that. I try to not just go in and say, okay, here, I'm going to proofread it and change it for you and fix it for you. I'm going to help you figure out these are things that yeah. need to be fixed and this is why it needs to sound different or, or why the, the grammar is not good and, and try to help them figure some of that out and, and make it still be their work. Um, Cause yeah, it, it, it blows my mind sometimes when some parents who, you know, they, um, they just feel like they, it, it's not going to get done or it's not going to get done as good and all that. And, and, you know, I, I get where they're coming from on that, but sometimes you got to remind them that, yeah, well, if that's the case, then, that probably means they need to learn better and do better because if not, they're not, I keep telling a, a parent that I've had this and to say, well, this is what's going to happen when they get to college. And if they're not ready for it yeah. and they don't have you there, then they're only going to be, they're only going to struggle if if it's not you know, already um, taken care of now, or if this is the problem yeah. now, it's never going to get any better. Yeah, exactly. um, so good. Very, you know, very good insight there to, yeah. like you said, to, you know, to want to hear from the, the kids and the players and, and know that, um, you know, know that the parents have to have to help a little bit, but that they're only doing oh, so yeah, much absolutely. justice for them.
0: Yeah. And the parents certainly matter. You know, it's really important yes. that we know who their family is. And, um, some, I know some coaches don't involve families at all. I think it's important to know who the parents are and to get a good insight of what they grew up in. And, um, but I think when it comes yeah. down to it, we're coaching the player, not the parents. Mm-hmm, so <laughs> We need to exactly. know if that's the player we can coach. Yes. I have one other thought with, because we're Love. talking about recruiting um, with the letters, and I'm sure this is something that you have them do, but hopefully to hear it from the coach too, that um, make sure you change the name of the school yes. <laughs> so that you are got the right school. And I would tell you, it's really nice for me as a coach, and this isn't about my ego or anything. It's just about the fact that I know that that player knows who they're writing to is when they personalize the beginning or the end of the letter. Obviously, we want to know who they are in the middle. And this is what we do with recruiting letters, too. But the first paragraph should say something about why you want to go to that school and what is happening at that program. So it might be just a quick, congratulations on your third place finished last week. And I saw your freshman won the tournament. That's really great. You know, and uh, I wish you the best of luck next week at, like, it doesn't take a lot of work to do that. And I noticed that. You know, and even at the end, like a quick follow-up and they say your name again, you know? Yes. Or the school. Yes. So the correct school.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, oh, you because have no
0: that's, idea how bad that's just <laughs> <laughs> that's just so <laughs> important because as a coach, I'm going to respond to every recruiting email that comes in my inbox. I'm sure I've missed a few in my career, but yes. Even if it's someone yes. I'm not gonna recruit, I work hard to respond to every single one. And I'm yeah. more likely to spend a little bit more time looking at a kid that I know they're like it's not just dear coach I want to go to your school because it's like this email went to 75 other coaches yes um so just a little I know it takes more time I mean we I try to do that as a coach too when I send out my June 15th like Mm -hmm. I try to personalize the first paragraph of every email to the players because I need them to know I know who they are I'm not just trying to find a number I'm trying to find a person so
1: Yes, 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 yeah. yes. I'm
0: sure that makes you happy as a recruiter. It does. <laughs> you know? Well,
1: when I don't when when I clip out part of this podcast and, and share yeah. it, that will definitely be because yes, I mean, obviously I love the podcast and, and sharing the stories, but when and not just to be like, Oh great, you just made me so right in what I do, but it is something that <laughs> I, I struggle or, or not struggle, but the players don't necessarily understand. And two points you hit on is just like what you do with players, I get I tell the players when they get emails that are personal to them. I was like, think about how that makes you feel, as opposed to one that you know is just a generic email. It makes you feel yeah. different. I was like, it's the same thing with a coach. Now, does it doesn't mean if your resume isn't strong enough that that's automatically going to, you know, get you recruited. But it will make a difference in whether that coach, oh, yeah, um, you know, just it just is going to change their tone when they see that. And it's every yeah. sample email that I give players the first paragraph. Um, it's a lot of what I work with them on and sometimes it's a struggle to maybe they're really kind of figuring out what it is they want in a school and they don't necessarily know you know we go to the well let's look at what they did this fall or this spring like what else is going on that's why I encourage everybody to follow the social media and keep up with what goes on because you know you just got to figure out a way to kind of connect and and show that you've done at least a little bit of homework and you've you know you've done something that at least shows that Um, you're at least making each email personal and always tell them, you know, the body of it about you that can be the same, but you've got to just make it, um, make it personal and and make them know that you're doing a little bit of research, a little bit of homework. Um, It's so, so important. And and it's just, I said the the second half of that of, of um, like I said, when it, when it comes back to players, sometimes it just all of a sudden registers with the difference in how they feel when a coach says, you know, I saw how you played last week, or I saw that you're going to be at this tournament, or whatever, they're all of a sudden, they're like, Oh, wow, this coach, you know, actually knows me, you know, as opposed to an email that comes in, that's just, you know, you can tell even if it's a June 15th or the former September 1st that were generic ones and everything, you can tell the difference and, and where they stand. And I'm like, so much of this process is a twofold kind of thing that So much of what the coaches do, the players do, and then how you respond and react, it goes both ways in so many things. And that one definitely is one of those. So um, you know, the
0: the better the program, the more emails they're getting, you know, and I'm noticing that now. Like I feel very fortunate. We're we've done pretty well. We're, you know, sixty-five right now, and I'm getting more and more emails. And so the little things are the little things that players can do to stand out matter because now I have you know I might have players that virtually have the same experience and a very similar scoring average and a very similar situation who's going to be the fit yeah and that's what we start looking at now is you know it's who's going to fit in with our culture and little details matter you wrote me an email with my name on it again it's not about my ego it's about the fact that you're paying attention to the school yes
1: Yes. And and you
0: talked about, you know, the business school or you talked about whatever it is at whatever school you're looking at, like you talked about that. Cause you did your research. Um, yeah. That's, that's really matters.
1: Yes. It's, it's a lot of people, it's people, a lot of people even still ask like, what is it that I actually do? And you know, why, why would a better player, you know, need help? They're going to get recruited and everything. And I'm like, I've, Always said, what I do is not something that everybody has to, you know, has to have or, or need or anything like that. Yeah. People get through this process just fine on their own in plenty of cases, but it's it's just like that. What you said has become so competitive and it's so many little things that can set you apart of how you do. You know, you may have a great resume, but you may lose You lose opportunities because your email that goes out is just so poorly written that it's just, uh, you know, or you're just not connecting, you're not building those relationships. And it's so competitive now uh, where so many players are in those same bubbles of really, really, you know, elite players. And then you kind of get those mid-major program girls that are all kind of clumped together that you have to learn how to set yourself apart and and do it in, in the in the right way and it's different for every coach and you know there's some things that work for one coach that doesn't work for another um there are people who slide through the cracks that are you know those kids that everybody looks at like they don't want them on the team but yet they usually find somewhere um people you know people manage to get by but you're gonna give yourself so many more opportunities when you're able to do things to do things well and to put that extra effort into stuff and, and not take the, take the shortcuts and think that um, that's going to get you anywhere as competitive as things are these days for sure.
0: Yeah. And I find that in the one-on-one meetings um, when they actually come to campus is how engaged are they? How interested mm-hmm. are they? Are they asking questions? Are they not, are they looking at their cell phone a lot? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Cause that uh, happens
0: sometimes. It's like, yes, like, I mean, oh, yes. yes. I'm like, mm-hmm. just, we're having a conversation and just, not that you're not going to recruit someone because they look at their cell phone, but you know, yes. like it's just, there's, they can be, you know, I've had players one week after another um, on paper, they're almost the same and one just impresses me more in person mm-hmm. as who they are. And, you know, and it's yes. just,
1: yeah.
0: Um, it's just important to put your best foot forward. And, and Definitely. I think that's on both sides, you know?
1: Oh yeah. One, 100%. Well, um, I know we've kind of stretched this out a little bit, but I hope everybody out there listening, especially like I said, when I get ready to, to post this and do all this, um, 100% want to encourage um, the ones who stuck it out and make sure because um, I think these last few minutes, especially those junior players out there listening, were were some very important stuff as well that um, applies to them a little more right now. I know so much of this is things that they're going to experience in a couple of years and the parents might can, can kind of relate to a little bit better and they can see past just the recruiting process. But um, some really good insight there on the actual recruiting process and in what's really kind of going on now for some of the junior players out there. Um, any other like I said I've got my last question that I want to ask um then we'll, we'll definitely wrap it up but anything else um to share before I hit you with my last question and in my um my kind of sign off question that I have everybody answer?
0: uh no I, mean, I really appreciated our conversation for sure and it's um it's always nice to be able to share ideas and talk about what you're passionate about and I think as us coaches having this opportunity to have this podcast is really nice and I know we appreciate what you do and I've known you for, and I've actually never met you face to face. I know, I know. I brought your, I your like, bio yeah. when I
1: was doing this stuff and, and I saw your picture. I know I've seen it. And I was like, in my mind, like, yeah, I guess we never actually met. Which always is, <laughs> But we, um, yeah, yeah, you feel like we, you know We've talked on the phone quite a bit. Yes, yeah. yes. And we
0: talked on the phone and, you know, I've actually gotten a player or two through you, and yep. which I appreciate. And as soon as I moved to the West Coast, I called you right away to let you know where I was headed. And, you <laughs>
1: yep, know, yep, got um, a few girls. But yeah, I just,
0: bad, I just, so absolutely I just want to say thank you for doing this because I think for the players out there that are trying to get to college it's so important to just have some insight you know this is a way to get the insight of to college coaches that you can't have and then for us coaches Mm -hmm. to get to listen to what other coaches are doing you know we're going to pick up a thing or two. So thank you for yes.
1: that. Yes, you're welcome. I, I've enjoyed doing this. It's um, you know, it it's been so much more than what I thought it was going to be. I know sometimes I get behind and don't get all the episodes as much as I want and, and everything, but it's it's just been so enlightening and, and so much fun for me to do these and, and I've enjoyed them and, and so much more than what I expected when I, I first thought about doing this earlier this year and, and just I'm excited for where it's going to go and, and I've got up podcast tour that I'm hoping to do um, sometime through the off season and go do some in-person ones and, um, and actually do some player uh, podcasts and just all kinds of different stuff. So I'm, um, it, it, it means a lot to me when the coaches uh, give me, you know, have have listened and, and listened to the episodes and reach out to actually want to be on that. That means so much to me just to know that um, it's, it's the, the information's appreciated and, and it's, it's been good, good insight and, and whatnot that, um, it just, uh, like I said it 100% means, means a lot to me. So I'm Absolutely. glad, glad to hear that. Well, let's, um, hit you with, like I said, my last question that, um, you know, the podcast is called tap into college golf. And so I always want to coach just to kind of give me their go-to advice when they have a player who's got, um, we've kind of broadened it a little bit. It may even be, you know, a shot you know into the green that they need to hit it close or that last putt whatever it might be but what's your go-to advice when you've got a player with a shot that's you know in a really big moment really big event um that shot that they need to just pull off what is uh what's your advice going to be for that player
0: you know typically at that point hopefully they're in a good spot mentally but if I know they're not or I know they're nervous you know one of the things I'll say to them is whatever the shot is, let's say it's a three footer. I'll say to them, you know, how many years have you been playing golf? And they'll say 10. And I'll say, how many times do you think in the first year that you played, you made a three footer? And they will like, I don't know, like a thousand. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So let's just say on average, 2000 three footers you've made a year and you've played for 10 years. So you've made 20,000 three foot putts before. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, so let's make it 20,001. <laughs> you've done this. You know, <laughs> I try to awesome. do something along those lines, you know, just something that you've hit this shot last week in practice. We hit this shot 50 times in a row because we knew this was one that we might have coming down the stretch. So yeah. you've done this. Yes. And that, it just reminding them you've done this. I think that's yes. the most important word you can say, putting the positive yes. in it, you know?
1: Yes, I, I like that. It's it's, it's simple, but yet yeah, so kind of relaxes you a little bit when you do, when you stop and think about how many times you've done that before and how easy yeah. it really should be and all this other yeah. stuff you're just adding to it that doesn't necessarily have to be there. So love that. Yeah, love, taking the, love it's that
0: taking the gravity. It's taking, like, yeah, the gravity away from it and just be like, it's just a three-foot
1: putt. Yes. Yeah. You know, you did 50 in a row yesterday. Yes. Let's just yeah. make another Let's one. Just do it. <laughs> yep, just do it. Don't rush yeah. it, but just just do it. Just get there and do it. And, yeah. And, um not not think about it, but don't overthink it either so exactly. very good, very good what well, i I like that like I said it's always good to hear the different perspective on on the coaches and and what they do and it like I said it's made me rethink different things and in, in that perspective of of how to look at moments like that so Appreciate it. And, and thanks again for, you know, for joining me on this episode and chat and chatting. I, I've enjoyed every bit of it and, and the insight and the stories you've shared. Um, it's been great to, it's always great to talk to you and it's been great to um, really kind of dive into some different topics and, and hear your perspective on them and wish you a uh, you know, lot more success there at University of San Francisco as you continue to lead that program out there. And as you said, hopefully someday our, our paths will actually cross in person um and get to meet after we've kind of i said it's been that way with several coaches where i feel like i've really gotten to know them and and between emails and phone calls but yet just haven't been able to see them in person because we're in so many different places all the time so but thanks again um and, and just appreciate you you joining in and thanks for everybody out there who joined in on this episode and stay tuned for the next one that's coming up on tap into college golf Thank you for joining me on this episode of Tap into College Golf. For more information, you can visit www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at bjacksongolf. See you next time.